here today. What's so, up, man? man? How's it going? Yo, I am bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. My wife gave me seven hours of sleep today. Seven. Wow. Man. That's like a whole week's worth when you have a newborn. <laughs> it really is. That's I'm, incredible. I don't, I don't think I've sniffed five hours of sleep since the baby was born. So yeah. seven is bananas. She, she uh, essentially gave you like a week's vacation off yeah. of being a new dad. That's incredible, man. Shout out to uh, Miss Bryant. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, oh, man, I feel, I feel great. Wow, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, refreshed, uh, man. So, so uh, a little. I don't know. Everybody caught the last episode. I just had a baby. Um, she is about to be three weeks old, um, and I do the night shift. So my wife um, goes to sleep like at eleven. The baby eats every three hours. So I'll take her over eleven, and then to two, and then I'll feed her a bottle, and then at three uh, till like six, and then from six to seven, I feed the dog, take the dog out, all that good stuff. But for like those six hours. Um, <laughs> this is crazy today. So like six hours, I can't do anything else. Right. I can't yeah. do, all I can do is I have baby in one hand. Um, and then I have my, my phone in the other and, uh, like maybe have some background noise on the TV for the, for the baby to, to, to listen to. Uh, so it's not like, completely quiet. And, uh, I'll just like look up random stats to keep me like motivated uh, and I'm sorry, I'm just like going right into this because it's just like on my mind. It was like wild that I woke up to this. And I started like posting random things about, you know, things that think people might not be thinking about, all this stuff. <laughs> and I posted this tweet about Jonathan Mingo. And uh, he had like 43 receptions and 400 yeah. yards. And I was like, these are the other rookie comparisons. And it is probably, if I sent out 10 tweets yesterday, it's probably my ninth most well thought out because <laughs> it's just very, very basic numbers. It's like receptions and, and it's, it's mostly just to keep things in perspective. It's like, we shouldn't think that the, a rookie wide receiver has to hit these big numbers. His first, first sure. year, a lot of stuff ha can happen. Um, you know, he, people might you know, be healthy scratches. People might not have done well in practice the week before all these mm -hmm. different things can happen. You're not a part of the, of the plan uh, for that week. You're, you're taking too long to learn the playbook bunch of different things that happened. So I just posted like all these other guys that, you know, had very similar numbers. And the idea behind it was to be like, you know, it's, it's a rookie year. It's, it's what happens. You don't know when they're rookies. Devontae Adams, his first two years didn't break 500 yards. So it's, um, you usually have to wait till year two to year three to see like a, a receiver. They're not all going to be Puka Nakua. They're not all going to be Rishon Rice, Tank Dell, all these guys. It's going to take some time with some of these guys. And man, right. <laughs> I don't know how, because you're, you're way more involved in Twitter than I am, and you probably get a lot more notifications because a lot more of your tweets do really well. I woke up after my, see, so think about this. It's a, I have a, I get to bed at seven. I wake up seven hours. So it's two o'clock. I wake up and I'm like, what in the world have yeah. all these likes and retweets and all this stuff for? Um, and it was just it was just super funny. Like that was the one to blow up. And of course, everybody's like coming at me, like, what about routes run? What about you know, blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like trying to bring tear down the idea behind my tweet. Uh, right. because it it was very, very basic, basic numbers. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but it, it was, sounds like that's what you were going for, though. Yeah, exactly. It's simple, <laughs> like, hey, the accumulated stats at the mm -hmm. end of a rookie year don't have to be the defining storytelling part of a guy's whole career. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I was just, I, I thought it was like hilarious that like that was the one. Like I, I, brought, I put this like other uh, uh, tweet out that I thought was like very fascinating. And when I went deeper into it, it's everybody's talking about the Bears and how like if they trade back one more time, they can get even more picks. And right. I look back at the last 10 years, the teams that have had um, three or more uh, first round picks, none of them have won a division. Mm. The teams that have traded up for quarterbacks, seven of them have been to a conference championship game. Yeah. It's so, like seven of those. T- it's wild. It pays off way more to be aggressive. Right. Than to not, even if it doesn't work, like just being aggressive. Um, yeah. Like, like Lance didn't work out. Like, and, that, and that's fine. But golf didn't work out for the Rams. But they went to yeah. Super Bowl year three. Like they were aggressive, and they paid more for golf than we paid for. And I thought, like that was that, that's like a kind of fascinating stat yeah. where it's like it pays off to be more aggressive than it is to be the one that accumu- accumulates picks. And of course, <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about it, man. That's too nuanced, man. You gotta you gotta go simple, and, and then when you go simple, you better be right as hell, or else people are gonna take it upon themselves to just try to bury it. Yeah, well, that's another thing. It's like, I was like, who cares? Like, nobody's listening. Like, nobody's watching my Twitter, anyways. It's more yeah. for me <laughs> to like keep myself occupied to, to stay awake. Um, that being said, I do not envy you for you being very involved <laughs> on Twitter because you have a lot more. Uh, your phone's oh, no, up man, a lot I, more than mine is. <laughs> I love, I love the interaction on Twitter, man. I think it's great. It's a great way to be able to. Uh, Get out your thoughts in a in a real time and have people yeah. give their thoughts right back to it, right? It's like when you host a space, it's nice to have that conversation, that back and forth debate. Um, you just and you know now you're experiencing it, man, that when you when you get one of those I go viral moments, you gotta just turn the notifications off or put the blinders <laughs> on and just let everyone yell at themselves in, in the in the room. And then you come back in when it's all safe about four or five days later and just say something like Hey, and by the way, Minko's going to break a thousand yards next year. <laughs> you know, just throw some fire on it, like quote tweet it, and just really just throw some kerosene on the entire topic. Well, the wild thing is that I I, I do it. I if somebody just says blanket statements about like you know cowards the the worst at it. He'll just say stuff, or yeah. Jason McIntyre, like uh, some of these guys, they'll just say things that you can easily you know defend, and you can right. say that's stupid. Right. Numbers don't lie. Like I, all I do is I like, just tweet out <laughs> numbers that are very right. factual, and that's what everybody's like. I, just, I didn't say any of this stuff. I just gave you like a. <laughs> and you know the one numbers. thing though that one thing that always bothers me, and this isn't about your tweet, but the one thing that always bothers me when it's a numbers don't lie situation too. Numbers don't lie. They're they're real statistics. They're numbers that have been produced in a mess, right? But context is king. That's the thing that I have learned the most of doing all of this content creating and all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of similar statistics and a lot of similar numbers. And see, that's that's where people got confused with what you were tweeting, I think, is you were tweeting similarities. You were tweeting a basic reference and saying that these final accumulated stats don't mean that they're going to be a bad receiver. That's as simple as it was, right? Yeah, yeah. But then for all of the other things where you go into nuance with context and stuff, it just becomes so like difficult <laughs> for people to say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I like it better when it's he caught six for 60. The other guy caught six for 200. So that guy is a better player. You know, it's like, <laughs> there are instances, there are contexts, there are all kinds of things. And we'll get into that a little bit later, I feel like, when we talk about some of these other uh, performances for the Carolina yeah. Panthers and, uh, and other situations. But yeah, man, I'm... I'm 
happy and sad for you that you had your viral moment while you had the baby and in the sleeping. Like if this could have happened about a month ago, you, you could have just enjoyed the lightning a little bit more. <laughs> well, so, yeah, up, so had a couple extra bourbons or something, you know. What, what you're saying is when you simplify it and and don't add context, that's how you get people to respond to you because then they can argue with you. So nobody's hey, gonna man. say, hey, good, good. Nobody's gonna be like a nice person and say, hey man, good sweet. Good, good, I good, like that's awesome. They're gonna say, How can I be the person that's gonna prove you wrong? Kind of thing. So yeah, don't don't right. even make it something debatable, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, but then you're not gonna get the interactions. Instead of tweeting what your favorite color is, just be like, man, colors are fucking cool, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna react to that. Everybody's gonna be like, Yeah, that's boring. But you say blue's the best color, they're gonna be like, You have no idea, yellow is way better because blah, 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 blah. No doubt about it. Okay, no so doubt that, about it. I, I learned Twitter. Now I know Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, nobody gives you crap on any of this. I thought it was really funny. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was kind of hilarious. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, let's get into a Jags recap. I know that was five days ago, but yeah. we haven't talked about it yet. There's not a ton of things that I'd like to talk about with this one. Uh-uh. Um, no. Let's just do your first like major takeaway and we can get it going player by player. Yeah. So for me, man, I didn't even get to watch the game in its entirety um, until, what, like Monday after Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I finally got through it all. I had obligations (laughs) on New Year's Eve day. Um, Then New Year's Day, I had things going on. Um, Got sick again. Go figure. So it was was a labor already to watch this thing because Uh of what the game was itself, right? Um, yep. and then you add in all those other circumstances made it took me 72 hours to get through this damn thing. But, <laughs> nice. but, and honestly, man, that was still probably too short of an amount of time to digest the just train wreck of a game. That was the most mm. disappointing thing for me, man, was the fact that we come from that Packers performance, which I know was a loss, but mm-hmm. it was a, it was a loss that we played competitively, confidently and in rhythm. Right. And so what you really hope is that that performance comes after that Falcons game winning drive, which I think we saw a lot of the same. You see that carry over into the Green Bay game and all of a sudden you feel this momentum train, right? But you go into Jacksonville playing against CJ Beathard. Trevor Lawrence isn't even playing and you get skunked against a defense that ranks almost the same, if not worse than the Green Bay Packers defense. That mm-hmm. is a, a a hit dog that's just ready for you to finish the job, and you go in there and just lay an egg. It's it's insanely disappointing, but there's some caveats to all of it that I think are just so important. Man, we talk about the context, right? Mm-hmm. We're still dealing with a rookie quarterback. We're still dealing with an offensive line that has struggled profusely. We're dealing with injuries. J.C. Horn did not play again. Um, you look at Chris Tabor in the position that he's in, man. I feel for the guy. He has a great disposition about him, and I think that he's a good leader, but he's a special teams coach, and he came here to continue to coach the special teams unit. He, I am sure, in no way thought that 13 games in, 11 games in, whatever it was going to be, I'm going to take over as a head coach of this team, so I need to be prepared to pull the right strings and push the right buttons to win games at the end of this, right? He says all the right things. He brings all the right energy but he's in a really tough position, man. And no mm. matter what kind of momentum you build, no matter what uh, outlook you start having, you're still the backup plan to a backup plan. 
And so it's really difficult, man, to capitalize on every single situation. So as disappointed as I was with the game, I don't really care that much anymore yeah. at this point of the season, dude. And that sucks to say, but there's no bearing on it. The, my, my biggest disappointment was the offense. I thought mm-hmm. Thomas Brown had gained some confidence. I thought we were going to see that continue. I thought Bryce Young had gained confidence. And what you saw is early in the game, Bryce Young started getting pressure early. And I mean, like, right away. We saw yeah. a allowed by Icky, um, uh, barely, narrowly avoiding a serious injury, I think, with his back, right? But the minute that Bryce started seeing this pressure and getting hit in the manner that he was, his entire process changed, and you could, like, visibly see that. His progressions became quicker. His, mm. He wanted to almost lock in on his primary read, it seemed like that he would look one way and, and that's not him like being a bad quarterback. That's him knowing that there is pressure coming. Mm-hmm. That feeling of expecting it every single snap is so detrimental to a player playing with confidence and rhythm. And when we have seen good things, it's confidence and rhythm. There was no way for them to get into that, man. They could not get a ground game established. I thought that the offensive line reverted completely. I know that Cade Mays got injured again. So Nash Jensen had to come in. It was just a really bad game, man. And that happens. The DJ Chark drops, man, that was tough. That was really, really tough, man. Those are three drops almost in a row, right? I think there was one play in between the first two and then the last one on fourth down. Those were plays that were momentum swinging plays. Mm -hmm. One of the drops was at the three. One of the drops was at the two. Like big plays that would have been scoring opportunities. I think at that point the game was 16 to nothing, if I remember correctly. You get a score there. It's a different ball game, man. Like you're in it. Yeah. But you also just can't point to a couple plays in a game and say that's where you lost it. You lost it because you didn't play with any intensity and any conviction on the get go, man. After the yeah. first inscripted plays, we looked lost and it was disappointing, man. But you know what? We're one game away from ending this uh, side <laughs> show of a football season. So it is what it is at this point, man. I'm ready to get a a future coaching staff in here and get a real look at this team and, and do some overhaul of this roster. Yeah, you know, I was watching our game and I was watching some of the other games and I think it finally hit me this past weekend because I, I I didn't, I wasn't able to go out. I didn't have like, like usually I'm out at the bars. I, mi- I see some of the game. I miss some of the games and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But like I watched like heavily the games because I didn't go out. I'm at home with the baby. Every other team at least once has to throw to a guy that is just wide open, like yeah. just schemed wide open. And yeah. I don't think I've seen one pass this year with the Panthers like that. One. like I can't remember. I can't think of one where the dude's just standing there wide open. Maybe um, I think the I did. Bingo play one. against yeah. Houston, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And he that's turned the- around that defender and then got like the nice 40-yard game from that. Yeah. yeah I think I, that's the only one that I could recall. I, and and I, the, the the DJ drops is what made me think of it because man these are like diving catches that he has to, Bryce has to put the ball there and they have to yeah. be diving catches yeah because there's no separation there's no there's no wide open uh, yeah. player and I was just like man I would love for a guy just to be wide open one time yeah and <laughs> and, and and somebody might say that the miss that he had on Mingo in this game as well did the overthrow that he had on him. They might point to that and say, well, he was pretty open. It's not wide open, though. It's still no, got to be about, a wide open. Right. You're talking about a yeah. guy like being able to sit down, wave his arms, and say, hey, yeah, right yeah. here, throw the ball. Yeah. We don't have that situation, man. It just doesn't happen often. 
And yeah, and it's disappointing, man. Like, like we talk about it so often that Bryce has to be perfect and that these receivers have to be perfect in order for plays to work for the Carolina Panthers. That's just not a great equation for finding success, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking about like I could probably think of like two or three Tank Dell just sitting there, nobody around him plays, yeah. and just being like, because I had Tank Dell on my fantasy team, so I used to watch a lot of Tank Dell, and I was like, man, it must be really nice. And a yeah. lot of these, I mean, you're, you're talking about adding, and I'm not talking about Bryce versus Stroud status, I'm just talking about, you're right, looking at right. the overall numbers for guys like CJ Stroud, it's like, man, I can think of three plays that were like 200 yards. <laughs> that, yeah, there's, to his overall there's just such a benefit, man, from A, having dynamic players that can create separation on their own, not relying on them to do that every time too, though, and having a coach that can have the ability to scheme up space. Like yeah. that's all you're talking about is space, man. Yeah. Like get your playmakers into space, create an advantage, create some deception, confusion, whatever it is. And a lot of that comes from pre-snap communication and shifts and motions, things like that. And you just don't see it, man, from this team. And, and unfortunately that's the offensive scheme that was implemented at the beginning of the season. Thomas Brown's a bit handcuffed with all of that. I thought that he had come into a little bit of rhythm. But again, it's one of those things that once that confidence is burned, man, it doesn't matter what kind of rhythm you had earlier. If you can't yeah. play with confidence and you don't feel safe and comfortable, you're going to get sped up and you're going to try to avoid getting pile driven into the ground. That's just yeah. that's basic nature, right? <laughs> Yeah, maybe like it's in these best receivers in the league. Like you're like, I know I was just like triple team this dude, like yeah. CD Lamb. You're like, why was CD Lamb always so wide open? It's the big <laughs> argument about Travis Kelsey all the time, right? The Chiefs have nobody else on the team, and prior to like probably the last six games, he would still go for 13 receptions and 180 yards. And you're like, why? They yeah, don't have anybody else to throw to. You know that put 11 guys on Travis Kelsey. You know? yeah. I feel like every Green Bay game I see multiple times where guys, J- yeah. <laughs> Jaden Reed, another good example. And they're just like, where nobody's around him. <laughs> He's just sitting there. Hey, you know, one of the similarities, though, of uh, when we talk about like Green Bay or we talk about San Francisco, that's that Shanahan system or Houston. It's that mm. Shanahan system, man. It's there's There are some schemes and obviously Ben Johnson isn't from that. Ben Johnson himself has said that he has essentially a mutt of an offensive scheme. You know, like yeah, his history yeah. is, just, is just a blend of a bunch of shit that actually didn't work well. And he's yeah. using the opposite of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, there's, there are schemes, dude. And that's when we talk about some coaches and stuff like that later, it's, it's important to remember that there needs to be an emphasis on guys that are aware of the new modern NFL and what works mm. and what doesn't work. And I, I hope, man, that, we see some of that in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, and I got so moving on from that. I gotta yeah. ask the question that everybody's asking, and yeah. I'm starting to even ask this. I was I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Is is Iggy a bust? Is he just not going to get there? Dude, it's so difficult to give a fair evaluation to any individual mm-hmm. player on this team. In my, in my opinion, at least, right? Yeah. But I will say that. It's demoralizing when you hear somebody like Thomas Brown come out and say, you know what, I probably could have helped Icky a bit more with like some chip blocks and things like that um, throughout the year. But but the issue is he's going to need or he looks to need that kind of help on the majority of plays. And when you draft a guy with a six overall pick to be the left tackle of the future of your franchise, you shouldn't have to help him on 75 percent of snaps. It just it should not be that way. 
Um, I think that the blocking scheme has part of blame to it. But even then, you're talking about player development, right? And we've talked about James Camp and we've talked about all those things. It, it, it really comes down to if it's not a coaching issue, then it's a player issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, it's really hard for me to put my finger on. Does he still have room to fix these issues? I also am not an expert on knowing 100% what his underlying issues are. We've talked about it before that he looks to just do a lot of guessing as a, as opposed yeah. to like counter moves, you know, and he ends up being really yeah. off balance and his balance. That's what I was going to say. And he's not great with his hands, man. Like w- when he throws his punches and stuff like that, he's just not the timing seems to be off, man. Yeah. And maybe that reverts back to something as simple as confidence too. But, you know, mm-hmm. offensive line is a, is a position where you want to play with a lot of muscle memory. You don't really want to have to overthink things. You want to play naturally so that you can play fluid. And he doesn't seem to be able to do that right now. But he has put together some performances this season Correct. as well that are yep. pretty solid looking, man. Like, no. he, he's, he's playing without his left guard next to him, which I think also plays a serious part in all this. Brady Christensen was a pretty reliable left guard last year, and he's mm-hmm. been improving. That I think on some of these like stunts and, and moves where you see them having to rely on each other on their, on their blocks, on their protections, I don't think that there's a whole lot of confidence in the hodgepodge eight or nine guys that have played left guard for this offensive line, one of which is a rookie in Chandler Savala. You know what I mean? I, there's just there's a, a whole mess of stuff that has gone into why this has been such a disappointing season. But I'm with you on the fact that I'm starting to place a heavier amount of that on Icky himself as well, because I'm not seeing a ton of individual development from him right now. That doesn't mean that he can't do it, in my opinion, though. I think that he's got one more offseason. Let him train with a highly regarded offensive line guru right mm-hmm. put him put him in a lab with somebody and let him really lock down his draft and you go into the season i'm still an advocate for drafting a left tackle if there's a great yeah. one available at 33 i think that the worst thing that happens is you create competition or you create depth because we've seen what offensive line depth can do when yeah. it's shallow to a team mm-hmm. I, and, and right now outside of icky and taylor moton you're talking about ricky lee is the only actual tackle on the team and he's a rookie you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think that if you were able to get a guy like a Jordan Morgan uh, out of Arizona, who is by far probably the best pass blocking tackle prospect that could be available for us, I don't think there's a problem with taking him, man. Maybe you could kick one of those guys inside if you have a guard injury or something. Mm. But Icky has also just been given that starting tackle position since he was drafted. He hasn't earned it by beating anybody else out in camp. Mm. I think that that needs to happen, man. I think he needs to earn it, and if he doesn't earn it, I don't think he plays, man. I yeah, it's a, it's enough time giving him that leadway because he's a sixth overall pick. You yeah, know? I mean, he's playing what thirty four games now, like or thirty three yeah. games, like yeah, it's, that, it's enough in my opinion. Also, Brady Christensen might um, be able to play left tackle. I don't know. Um, he he built better for me as a guard. Uh, yeah, I I, I I I think you're right. I think I. And a lot of people are saying we need a receiver. We need uh, a receiver. And we, and we do. And we do, um, yeah. But it is a pretty deep receiving class. I think you could probably find um, find one in the third as well. 
I think I, I think keeping Bryce upright is way more important than just and you know the ball to that receiver. Absolutely, man. And and there's also just free agency that goes into all of this too. And whoever your new head coach or GM, if you have a new GM, all of these things play a part in it. So it's not as like black and white as just saying go and draft a tackle at 33. You don't know who's going to be on the board. You don't know what you do in free agency. There, there are different layers to all of the decision-making and all this. But you can't be um, shut down from the idea of it at least, right? Mm. Because he has done nothing personally or individually to instill confidence that he will eventually put it together at a high level. Could he yeah. play better than what he's played this year? I 100% think he can. I think this has been a really bad year. I think it's been a bad year for the entire damn team, man. And there has just been a fiasco around this entire franchise all year. Every single yeah. corner that you look, man, there's some sort of extravagant issue. And and once we get past this whole thing of Bryce being criticized as a bust of a rookie, once you get past Frank Reich, once you get past this staff being so confused and not having an identity, then let's start to really look at this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my personal outlook on it all, at least. Um but as far as replacements, man, I just think that there's a, a bigger equation to it than just saying we got to draft a, a tackle or we have to draft a wide receiver. Correct. There's, yeah. other, there's plenty of routes, man, that we could take to fix this roster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Texans had an inept offense. Nico Collins was a bust. Um, that uh, that that offensive line was terrible, and then Slower comes in and right. <laughs> Stroud just back there, like absolutely, uh, just doing whatever he wants. And Nico Collins is a top twenty receiver in the league, so yes. it, uh, scheme matters. But you're right, Shanahan system, you know, makes hey. makes sense. Um, do we need to talk about Bryce? I, I feel like you already kind of touched on it. He was just rushed. I felt like the whole the whole game. Yeah, man. I, the thing with Bryce is that. I just don't know how we are supposed to expect him to do much with the performance of everything around him. Yeah. That includes the people on the field, but it includes everything off the field too, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a tornado of garbage in Carolina right now, man. Mm-hmm. Every single week, there is something else going on. And, and I'm not saying that David Tepper throwing a drink has anything to do with the poor play on a field or anything like that. But doesn't it really suck, man, that... Our, our rookie quarterback, who was going through a tumultuous rookie season himself, right, from an on-field play standpoint, his head coach, his first head coach in the NFL, has been fired midseason because of how bad this offense has been. It just sucks that also after this game, he's having to deal with questions about, so what did you think about your owner's statement about throwing a drink on a fan? When are we going to be able to let these football players play football to the best of their ability? I, I just yeah. don't think we put anybody in a position for success. I mean, anybody, man. Even the guys that have underperformed that are veterans, I don't think we've put them in a position for success. I think Adam Thielen has played very well this year, and he's been the benefit of the scheme. He's been the one player that has benefited from this offensive scheme because that's what he works well with, right? He's at a phase of his career that he's not going to run deep routes. He's not going to burn you vertically. So he's worked very well in the intermediate pass game. That's That's been his bread and butter. Everybody else on this team, dude, it has just been a struggle. And Bryce Young, what do you want him to do, man? I mean, I mean, honestly, what do you want Bryce Young to do? When yeah. when we started this season, man, I think we were in like week three. It was after he got hurt um, in the New Orleans game. I think it's the the week that you had like a bachelor party or something, and you weren't you weren't around for the episode. Mm-hmm. And so I did an episode on my own, and I I started it by saying like we're overreacting to Bryce Young, 
in his rookie start, right? And I, I read some stats of of really high end um, draft picks and eventual NFL quarterbacks and how their rookie seasons went. I, I mean, look, I'd like to touch on two of those again if if we have a couple minutes. If you're cool with it, because yeah. these are extremely linear comparisons that I found to be the closest possible comparisons to Bryce Young's rookie season. And that's Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence. Peyton Manning, we know, went on to be the sheriff, right? One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Trevor Lawrence, the verdict is still out on him. Like, he's a great example. Don't sit there and count your chickens, right? Mm -hmm. He was was the golden child, essentially, of, of quarterback prospects. And, and for good reason, dude. He's got every physical trait that you would want in a quarterback. He has the winning pedigree of a quarterback. I mean, he's got everything. He went into a muck of a situation in Jacksonville his rookie year with Urban Meyer, that entire fiasco. That's very similar. And now the Urban Meyer clearly is a different person than Frank Reich. I'm not saying that. But neither of them were in a mental state to coach an NFL team in the year that they were asked to coach these franchise rookie quarterbacks. I think that that's just a given. And I think that they were trying to fit their square peg in a round hole with their offenses that they were trying to make these players run. But when you look at it from a statistical standpoint, right? Let's go down Peyton Manning's first. Three and 13 record as a starter, 3,739 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions on 56% completions. That was good for a 71.2 passer rating. Now, they didn't have QBR back then when he was a rookie. That was like 1998. <laughs> they didn't have QBR. Yeah. That's a new stat. So we'll, we'll skip that one for this particular statistical comparison. But mm-hmm. he did. He had twenty. He was sacked 22 times, and it was a 3.7 sack percentage rate. And he, and he accounted for 62 rushing yards. So keep those in mind, right? Obviously, the touchdowns and interceptions were higher, and the passing yards were higher. They threw the ball a whole lot more. They had a more vertical offense. That's great but he still had more interceptions than he had touchdowns on a very low completion percentage. Trevor Lawrence, three and 14 as a starter, 3,600 yards, 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions on 59% completions, 71.9 passer rating. He was a 33.5 QBR rating. He was sacked 32 times and that's a 5% sack rate, 334 rushing yards. Okay. That's Trevor Lawrence, the golden goose. They could stretch the field vertically, do all those things, threw for five more interceptions than he threw for touchdowns in his rookie year. And they say, oh, yeah, but he's a great runner. He only ran for 334 yards. Don't Let's don't do that, right? So looking at Bryce Young going into the final game of the season, where he also missed a game in the season, his record as a starter right now is 2-13. and 13. So he is right in line. Whether he loses or wins next week, Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence, those are extremely comparable win-loss records for rookie quarterbacks. 59.7% completion rate. Yep. Okay, so that is the highest of the three of them. 2,783 passing yards. That's the lowest. 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So he's the only one that has thrown more touchdowns and interceptions. 73.7 passer rating. Better than Peyton Manning, better than Trevor Lawrence's rookies. 33.4 QBR. He was off by 0.1 for Trevor Lawrence. 229 rushing yards. I I mean, and this is a guy you're talking about. He's 5'10", 190 pounds. He's not supposed to be running the ball, but he's scrambling for his damn life out there. Now, here's the part that really I think, man, is when we talked earlier about context is king. 
59 sacks in the 15 games as a starter. Second most ever. That is more than Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence rookie seasons combined for a 10.4 sack percentage. That means on 10.4% of the time that Bryce dropped back, it was a sack. I mean, that's, that's nuts, man. That is absolutely insane to think about. And you want him to find success and you blame it on him. 139 total pressures in his rookie season with a 2.5 second pocket time to throw. I don't know what you want him to do, man. And and I'm not making excuses for him. He has missed some throws. He has also made some incredible throws, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Even throws that weren't completed, that were dropped by a receiver or that a defender made a good play on. I'm talking about high-level NFL throws. If you're talking about a rookie season, you're talking about development and flashes of being a franchise quarterback. You can say, well, he needs everything to be great around him. No, man, he needs everything to be NFL adequate around him. He needs to have NFL weapons with an NFL offensive line and NFL coaching. When you put those things around a guy that shows the ability that Bryce Young has shown to have, in my opinion, this season, it will work. I I have no doubt about that. It will work. The only thing that I hope, and this is the comparison again to Trevor Lawrence, I think, You hope there hasn't been irreparable damage that has been done to his internal processing of how he sees the NFL game based on the pressure and the crap that he dealt with his rookie season on the field. Mm -hmm. Remove everything off the field. Like, I'm not even talking about that. But we can, because that's also relevant, in my opinion. I think everything that has happened here in Carolina with the coaching staff, with the ownership, all of that stuff, I think plays a significant part in this locker room and the way this team has performed. But just looking at it from a statistical and on-field performance standpoint, he lines up very similarly to Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence. Would you have given up on those two after their rookie (laughs) season? Yeah, no. Because you would look really foolish. You would look really foolish if you did that. You know? You gotta give guys it's what you talked about with Mingo, man. You gotta give these rookies time to develop. And we are a very impatient culture as mm-hmm. of late. Um, social media. And and we also see these seasons from other players. CJ Stroud. You talk about rookie wide receivers, right? Puka Nakua, Tank Dell. Guys that we could have had instead of Jonathan Mingo and use that second round pick on somebody else. All of that is hindsight, man. Yeah. And it's also not the player's fault. I think that's yeah. a really important part of this too. Jonathan Mingo didn't raise his hand and say, hey, you have to draft me in the second or I'm not going to play for you. The Carolina Panthers front office made the decision to overdraft Jonathan Mingo in the second round. C.J. Stroud went into a situation where the coaches had a vision and an identity and a scheme of how to get the best out of him, and they executed that. They executed it with their blocking and their protection. Their protections are the best in the NFL with the 49ers, the absolute best protection scheme in the NFL. They're playing with a bunch of backups too. We don't have that here. It is unfair to give a verdict on Bryce Young, Jonathan Mingo, or any of these rookie players, in my opinion, until they are given a fair shot. Yeah, and they've been built. I mean, even this receiving core, they've been building for years already. I mean, they they already have. They've had Mechie, who is just now starting to see the field. Xavier Hutchinson, uh, Tank Dell, Nico Collins. Like they have. um, They went out and got Noah Brown. Like they. You're don't right, with wise. Yeah, don't yeah, they, they had a vision of what they wanted to do, yeah. and they had depth at the position that they needed depth at. Yeah. That's why they, they run the same sort of thing at um uh the 49ers run. 49ers yeah. draft wide receivers every single year. 
because right. they need depth of position because the way they run their offense, those guys can get hurt anytime. They're right. they go across the field a whole lot of time, bring a lot of that scheme to wide open. But when it's not, man, a lot of contested <laughs> catches, a lot and, of getting hit. And, and, and why do you only have to have like one or two premier players at these weapon positions, right? Yeah. Like look at what the Seahawks did. They had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they used a first round pick on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, yeah, that's that's intentional, man. They know that they're sitting there and they're saying, "Look, we're playing in an offensive based league at this yeah. point. Like, offense is going to win. Defense is still important, dude. You can't just punt on defense and say that we don't need to stop anybody. That's not true. Look at what the Ravens and the 49ers do. Right? They're great defensive teams, but where do they run from? What what is yeah. their bread and butter, man? It's their offense, and their offenses are built to work for the players on that team. And they keep on drafting weapons for their quarterbacks. They try, yep. they try, they try to bring in things that work. And they just keep going and trying to improve. That is the, that's the formula that we have to have. But it also starts with a competent front office, man. Like, we, we can point to all of these guys that were picked later and say, yeah, it's hindsight and we should have done it. But, hey, man, good front offices did draft these guys. And they did develop them into the players. You you could talk about Nico Collins even, right? People thought mm-hmm. that Nico Collins was a bust because he was a second round pick and didn't didn't do a whole ton his first year or two. But they had a vision of what he could be with the right players in the right system. That's yeah. why they took him. They liked the player. I like to think that the Panthers also really like Jonathan Mingo yeah. and what he could be. Maybe they were just wrong about the coaching being the thing that could bring it out of him. This scheme right. was wrong. Maybe these players aren't wrong, right? Yeah. Let's see what happens when they have a fresh start next season. Before yeah. we're ready to just cut ties, call these kids a bust. We're talking about 22 and 23-year-old kids, Correct. man. Bryce Young is going to be 23 when he starts the NFL season next year. Yeah. You want to call a 23-year-old a bust because he won't carry a bunch of veterans and a washed-up coaching staff? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like That, that doesn't yeah. seem fair to me. Yeah, we can go all over the league. I mean, you got to uh, take a look at when uh, Devontae Adams got drafted. He two straight 400-yard seasons because he yeah. was playing with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. They went ahead and drafted their guy early. You got uh, the Packers now where they drafted Dubs and Watson this year. They didn't rest on yeah. those. They went and drafted Reed. They got Wicks. They got Heath. They got, I mean, they yeah. got so many guys now. The the uh, uh, the um, 49ers every single year draft running backs. That's a big yep. part of their offense. They drafted yep. Sermon and Mitchell in the same year. They went and got uh, Darian Davis Price or um, uh, name Darian Davis Price. Um, yeah. Look at the Seahawks. Seahawks had Kenneth Walker. They still went and got uh, Zach Charbonnet. Like yep. they, <laughs> they understand what the league is and what works That's in it. the league. Yep. And yep. you just we we just put you keep putting all our eggs in one basket. It's not going right. to work. Not going right. to work at all. Uh, the team I keep on coming back to with my comp, and that's not because it's a player comp, it's because it's a team comp, uh, is the Rams. When they, they traded up yeah. for golf, they thought that they were a quarterback away. It turns out mm-hmm. that they had a lot of other problems. But the year after, very similar. They fired the Fisher middle of the season. They had Kenny Britt went through 1,002 yards. We had Thielen at 1,008 yards. They had Tavon Austin at 409, 509 yards. We have Chark at 479 yards. Right. They had Aaron Donald, a young Aaron Donald, which is 25 years old. He had 31 tackles, solo tackles. We have Brown, 25 years old, 51 solo tackles. So it's very, very similar across the board. And you know what they did? Hmm. They got a good coach. That's right. That could develop this. And they went to the Super Bowl two years later. So and they and they and they retool the the correct. parts of the roster that need to be retooled. It Brent doesn't have back. to be this. Yeah, man. It doesn't have to be this entire like 
wipe the slate clean and and change everybody out because nothing works. You retool where you have big holes and deficiencies. Yeah. That's doable, man. Like, and and yeah, it sucks that we don't have a first round pick, but it is still a doable thing. Need to do the Rams, <laughs> right? Never had a first round pick, and, 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 and the Texans did. Like, that's the one thing that I also think of when we talk about the beginning of this Texans like kickstart. They got them going this year. They had two first round picks, yeah, and, and like top top five first round picks. Like, yeah. they got C.J. Stroud and they got Will Anderson Jr. Who has a legitimate argument for being defensive rookie of the year this season, Correct. right? Yeah. He's he's a better edge rusher than a lot of veteran edge rushers in the NFL. And that was something that they needed. And they brought in schemes that worked. I really do believe that with Bryce Young on this roster, with Jonathan Mingo doing a little bit of development, because he's got some personal things, individual uh, elements and aspects of his game that really do have to improve. Like, they have to improve. And his effort, his field awareness, and his, um, what's the right word, pacing, speed, urgency. Yeah. He's got to lock those things in, man, because even if he feels he's not getting the football on plays, you not going 100% also lets the defense know that you're not getting the football on plays, which allows them to move to different areas on the field where different targets are that are supposed to be the benefit or the beneficiary of that concept. So there, there are things that he can do individually. There are things that Bryce can do individually. That's part of being a rookie and developing yeah. into an NFL player over time. That's just part of the game, man. And, and yeah. I, I, I hope that the fan base, which I'm, dude, I'm not blaming the fans either, though, for being frustrated. This is the first yeah. time I've ever been like ready for a season to end. You know, like usually on, on the last week of the season, I'm like, dude, what am I going to do for the next few months? At this yeah. point, I'm looking at it almost like Kevin McAllister when like the family's gone. And he's like, and he's really sad at first. He's like, I made my family disappear. But then all of a sudden he goes, <laughs> I made my I made family, family disappear. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Like the Panther season is almost over. Hey, the Panthers season is almost over. It sucks, man. I feel like a a bad fan to act that way, but I need a break, dude. And so do these players. If fans need a break, if we're worn down, how do you think these guys that are putting their ass on the line every single day feel to be getting these results? Yeah. I'm just thinking about the other guys that, you know, teams are already frustrated with their receivers as well. It's like they didn't give them like uh, Hyatt. Downs, I know Downs was hurt for a little bit of the year. Quentin yeah. Johnson uh, drafted higher than him. Um, uh, I know A.T. Perry uh, is showing the little flashes lately. Um, but, like, a lot of these guys, like, <laughs> you just got to relax for a bit. Yeah. Um, give, these, give, give these time. Give, give these guys a little uh, bit of time. All right, uh, let's, go, let's move on. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry, that uh, went longer than I anticipated yeah, it going. Yeah, but we, it, but yeah, there's just so much that, like, is, is troublesome with the perception of players yeah. and outlooks. And I think sometimes you and I, because we have these private conversations too. And then when we get on here, it's like we're having that same private conversation, but we go more into detail because we feel like we have more time to do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's get on. Uh, it's just Panther news, I guess. Uh, yep. Do we want to, I guess we kind of touched on the Tepper uh, throwing water. Um, yeah. So it. Real quick. Yeah, let's just do a real fast, it. real fast, like thoughts on it. Right. And then let's yeah. move on because yeah. I don't think that, I don't want to give it more attention than it what it deserves. And it shouldn't even deserve attention. Not that it wasn't the wrong thing to do. It was. It was yeah. a shit thing to do. It was a classless thing to do. As an owner of an NFL franchise, you can't do that. You're in a private suite. You're secluded from the general public, right? You're at a visiting stadium. No matter what was said to you, man. And I'm a, I'm of the opinion that there are probably three, four, five things that can be verbally said to me that would make me flip a switch. I don't think there's at least a couple of those 
that would never be said to me and would never be said to Mr. or Mrs. Tepper because none of us fit those qualifications to be disrespected in that particular way, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody was ridiculing him. Maybe somebody was giving him hell. That's part of it, dude. You're a billionaire owner of a sports franchise that has kind of put a target on your own back too, right? Yeah. You got to act better than that. My biggest problem with the entire situation was the lack of apology in the statement. I thought the statement was very um, blame-placing on the fans saying, I should have let the security handle this. No, dude, you should have just walked away from it, to be completely honest. And you never said, I'm sorry. You never said, I apologize. You said, I'm regretful because I'm passionate and all this stuff. Look, dude, PR, I am sure when they sent over their initial statement, I am sure that it had the word apologize or it had the word sorry or it has some sort of sentiment about that was wrong. There was no acknowledgement of fault. There was no acknowledgement of um, any of that remorse. It was regret, but there was no remorse. Those are two different emotions, right? Two different right. Physical feelings. Um, but my issue with it, man, for, for me, it's a little bit bigger than just this isolated issue. David Tepper is the owner of the Carolina Panthers. When we talk about getting this new owner from the situation that we were in with Jerry Richardson, Jerry Richardson was a stain at the end of his tenure here because of personal misconduct and reprehensible things that I think are absolutely terrible from a personal standpoint that I would not be able to tie myself to continue to support that person with those personal issues. So I was glad to get out of that shadow of Jerry Richardson, despite all of the great things that he had done and brought this franchise to the Carolinas. But you're a role model. Whether and, and, and the, the people that work for you, the players on that team, the front office people, those are role models for young kids. You know what I mean? And you're responsible mm-hmm. for putting them in these great positions and putting them on these awesome platforms. When you take that entire franchise and you turn it to a joke because of your own personal malicious behavior and detrimental ways that you act, he's acting like an affluent adolescent. You know what I mean? And that sucks, dude, because he talks about growing up poor and going to football games and being a fan. He forgot where he came from. Right, man. Evident. But that sucks, dude, because there are kids right now in Charlotte, in Greenville, in Rock Hill, in in Raleigh, all across North and South Carolina, not just the Carolinas, dude. There are fans of the Panthers nationwide, worldwide. There are fans of this team that are embarrassed to be fans of this team right now. And that sucks Mm. because that's not what you want from a franchise standpoint. I want everybody to be proud of being a Panthers fan. And I think that we have taken a huge step back in large part due to David Tepper's behavior as a proud fan base. Yeah. We also, as a fan base are starting to look at all the negatives. Uh, One positive DJ chart, uh, Good, good guy, Ward. Yeah, that was Yay! awesome. Congrats, DJ. DJ. That was that was a really cool thing, man. And like to hear yeah. the way that they spoke about him, and you know, we look, yeah. we got first round, we got first hand experience of it. The He's a, the genuine dude, man. He will sit there and he'll give you real answers and, and, and hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super, super, super nice guy. Yeah, uh, but yes, the, it, everything you said is correct. Um, and the the franchise is starting to get a little embarrassed by by most things, and it's got to be frustrating for the fans. Uh, I'm sure that. Looking up and seeing that nobody was at the game <laughs> the other right. weekend was not fun for anyone. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those guys are kind of embarrassed um, as well. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about too, man, just like real quick, then let's move on. But we talked about like how these players now are having to answer these questions about this. Yeah. That sucks, dude. Like, this has already been a really difficult year. It's been a really hard year. Yeah. When you're in a position of privilege, when you have $20 billion and you own a sports franchise, you, you should use that privilege that you are super fortunate to have. There are people that scrape and claw their way to even break into the tiniest sliver of the world that you are dominant in, in the sports world or the media world or the financial world, whatever it is. People break their backs and fight their entire lives and never get to that position. You're in a position of privilege. Use that to better that situation. Make life better for your employees. And your employees are also those team members. They're, they're the players that play for this franchise, dude. Quit making their job harder because you want to act like a brat. You know? Yeah, like, for real. Come on, man. Just make it easier. Also, I apologize to uh, everybody that's actually watching me. And I was my 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 uh, my tablet that I'm recording on isn't charging. So I looked up; it's at six percent. I'm like, crap. So I'm trying to find why it's not charging, and it's still not charging. So I'm at six percent. So okay, we're gonna push through the game yep. preview. <laughs> yep, let's do it. Uh, uh, cool. So we're doing a game preview on Tampa Bay. Uh, it, man, honestly, the thing that I gotta say, I'm gonna go and say kind of like my idea of what's gonna happen is. It's the last game. I think people. Yeah. I think it might. It literally might be exactly what happened with Trevor Lawrence in his last game, and they ruined the Colts' uh, uh, season because they were just like, "Who cares? It's the last game. Let's just go out there and have some fun." Some yeah. guys are looking for new contracts. It's their last time to like put some, something on tape. Yep. It could be a. It's at home. It could, it really could be a sneaky trap game. Um, yep. What are What are your thoughts with that being said? Yeah, that's it. I. Don't care at all about the result of this football game. Yeah, nobody does. They know that. No, I, I want to see some positive momentum from offense, defense, whoever it is, individual players, whatever. I want to see some feel-good situation to ride off into the sunset of this season with, to be completely honest. That is it. Yeah. I would also really love to ruin Tampa Bay Buccaneers postseason dreams. Uh, I mean, I mean, the Saints or Falcons go. And we love well, it. yeah, no, there's no, there's no, no win in this because I yeah. don't like any of our division rivals, right? Yeah. But if you can personally get to be the yeah. reason that somebody goes home, I'll take that any day of the week, man. And there's no disrespect to Baker. He didn't do anything wrong to us. He didn't treat us poorly or anything like that. But damn it, man, I also don't really want him to go and – prove all of us dysfunctional by making it into the playoffs with the Buccaneers. Yeah. Like I, I'm also, totally cool spoiling somebody's postseason dreams and getting a win and not, even if it's not a real win, <laughs> some sort of win to write off into the off season with. That's my thing. Yeah. And also that means that if the saints or Falcons win, that means that Dennis Allen or Arthur Smith are here for another year. So no, oh, I would love that. I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't hate that that much. Nope, <laughs> Get them. They're just destroyed by the Cowboys. Speaking of coaches, man, did you hear Todd Bowles' glowing (laughs) review? Did you hear Todd Bowles' glowing review of Bryce Young today? Yeah, we talked about one of the best ever do it when it was done. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, and look, coaches are always like very, very respectful of their opponents. They always kind of big up them a little bit. They're not going to sit there and like downplay them. That's a big one, though, man. You got to stand behind that. The greatest to ever do it. One of the greatest to ever do it. That's a huge. I mean, people say that they do this well. They do this well. That blah 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 blah. Right, he like saying the bet that maybe the one of the best to ever do it is a huge, huge thing to put your name I, I on. Think fans got to realize, man, that some of the perception that we are and not we like us, but fans in general have of some of these players is not the way that they are perceived in the NFL circles, man. Yeah. There are there are coaches and people that are way better at understanding football than all of us. That's why they're in the positions that they're in, and we're in the positions we are. 
And when they say certain things, you like to say it a lot, Alex, when people talk, listen, there's been a lot of really well-respected, highly regarded people that have said Bryce Young is in a bad situation and he's going to, he's going to make it uh, a yeah. personal thing of showing everybody wrong when he gets capable things around him. So yeah, even listening to Aaron Rodgers talk about him earlier on in the season. Yeah. I mean, and, you don't, and you shouldn't listen to Aaron Rodgers for anything other than football. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and say that. Jimmy Kimmel is man. Is Jimmy Kimmel, we love you, dude. I am I am a big fan. I would never see you on any list other than like a top five late night host list. Um, but yeah, don't listen to Aaron Rodgers on medical or on political stuff. But when it comes to football, he does actually know a little bit about that. And he and Bryce has implemented some of his game from Aaron Rodgers. So it's nice yeah. to hear that. Man. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Before my 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 tablet runs out of gas. Yeah. Um I'll get my score prediction. I I still think Tampa Bay has too much to play for. Um, yeah. I still got them. I think I think that we can play spoiler, and I think uh-huh. we will play a little loose. I think we'll uh-huh. we'll do some fun things. I think people will have a good time. I think they just have too many vets that they'll show up and be ready to play, ready to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the pretty much the same score as uh, they their win last time. I'm going to go 21-17 bucks. I'm going to guess that J.C. Horn does not play again, and I think Mm -hmm. that that's a really big um, contingency on how close this game is and if we have a shot at winning it. I'm going to guess that he does not play again, and with that being said, I think that the Bucks win 26-17. to Yeah. Yeah, I think there's just too many vets on that team. That that whole year last year, they – and then when they had to put yep. it on, turn it on, they turned it on. They can. So I think yep. I think that they'll they'll do the same thing this year. Yep. Even though we are at home and I think we will we will be I think we'll be fun. I think we'll I hope I'm I hope stuff. I'm very wrong, man. But I, I picked the Panthers to win last week and they got shut out twenty six nothing. I'm yeah. not gonna no. do it again, man. I, I I've been I've been putting clown makeup on all season mm-hmm. beginning at the you know start of it when I predicted ten wins. I'm starting to use the makeup remover and getting this shit off, man. I'm let's move on to another year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about what, what Jets fans are doing right now. So, um, <laughs> and yeah. they, they, they don't have a lot of anything that they, they can look for the future, uh, yeah. except for a 41 year old quarterback coming back next year off Achilles. Uh, so uh, that sucks too. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's, that's about it. Uh, I got 3% yeah. left on my laptop or my Perfect. tablet. So I think we can end it right here. So, yeah. um, let's do it. Like and then we next next do. week, next week on some of the things that we didn't talk about, we'll get into, we'll talk about coaching and GM situations. Maybe yeah. there will even Perfect. be a more clarity on if we need a new GM yeah. or not, you know, after the game. So we'll hold off on talking about that. We'll hold off on giving player evaluations, but yeah. that's something to look forward to for next week's episode. Um, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive on some of that stuff. I'm, I'm always positive by next week. We'll understand if, if Ditter will be there or not. Right. The, that, that, that decision I'm sure will come in on Monday. Yep. If he's still yep. there on, on Tuesday, then I think that he'll be here next year in general. Yep. Um, all right, cool. Well, isn't it like we always do for this weekend? Keep pounding. Keep pounding. <laughs>